Hello and welcome to Succeed Through Speaking, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high-value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey and in today's Speaker Stories episode, I'll be getting to know Alex Hunter, who's a branding and customer experience expert and also a keynote speaker. He's also the creator and host of Attaché, an award-winning online travel show. So Alex, hello and a very warm welcome to today's episode. Dale, thanks so much for including me. I'm looking forward to this. I really appreciate you coming along and just out of interest, whereabouts are you in the world right now? I am in uh, sunny today, somehow incredibly, Tumbers Wells, Kent in England. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm not too far from you. No, not too far at all. Excellent. Thank you so much. And I just want to share a little bit more about you before we do get started. So previously, Alex served as the global head of online for the Virgin Group, overseeing the Virgin brand's global digital strategy in its entirety, as well as Sir Richard Branson's personal digital strategy. So Alex, I know that both you and, of course, Richard Branson have successfully used public speaking to share your message with the world. So I'd love to know, were you always a naturally born confident speaker or is it something you've had to work on? I think I've always enjoyed being on stage from a young age. My mother was an actress, Mm -hmm. so she instilled that in me from a very young age to be reasonably confident. I know I always got the jitters, you know, just before you step on stage or even in sort of you know, year three, Christmas play, that type of thing. But I I have always enjoyed it. It's not something I did professionally until quite a long way into my career, but it it's somewhere that I've I've always felt reasonably comfortable. Good, good, good. So you're one of the one of the lucky few, I guess, that, that have got that naturally. And that's great to hear. So when you think about public speaking, um how important do you think it is when it comes to to business, to leadership and credibility? How how important do you think that is? Oh, it's huge. I mean, so much of my work these days is getting people to understand what a brand is trying to get them to feel, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to what what product does it create or what services it provide. As a, as an organization, as a brand, what do we want our people, you know, our customers to feel when they use it, and and to to get a workforce inspired or a or an audience inspired, you have to be able to tell that story in an engaging and emotive way. And there's far fewer ways, better ways to do that than, than on stage in, in a captivating and, and in many ways entertaining way. And public speaking is a great way to do that. Absolutely. You talk about captivating and entertaining. And I guess that's something that you have to learn. That doesn't always come that naturally. So when you think back to the very beginning and, you know, what was your first presentation and, and how did that go? My first, so it's, this is kind of a funny story. I was this is while I was at Virgin and a friend of mine, a fellow American in the UK called Ryan Carson ran an events company. Yeah. And at the last minute, uh, a speaker he had lined up pulled out and he called me and said, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm sure you guys are doing something interesting at Virgin. Can you come and talk? And I said, Oh yeah, maybe. When is it tomorrow? Wow. Yeah. I said, okay. Uh, I'm in New York right now, but um, I think I can make that work. So I jumped on a red eye, went straight from the airport to the stage opened with a joke, got a laugh, and I was hooked. Um, but yeah. after that, it became actually a lot more of a, an education for me. I think I was lucky the first go, but I wanted to to learn how to do it properly from there on. Yeah, that was, uh, I guess, quite brave, actually, opening with a joke for your first ever presentation. But luckily, it, it went down well. You got that laugh, and that really helped set, settle the nerves, I guess. It, uh, it does, and it's quite 
it's quite intoxicating getting a laugh from an audience. And I, and I do, my son just did his year seven public speaking mm-hmm. exam. And I said, you've got the first 90 seconds yeah. to get them. You have, if, if, you, if you don't have the audience or at least the majority of them in the first 90 seconds, you're, you're going to struggle. So something quick and, and compartmentalized that you can hand to them. That's easy. That's low hanging fruit, just, just to develop a rapport and break down that barrier between you and the audience is worth its weight in gold. And makes I've, the whole I've, thing much easier. Yeah, I've, I've been told about the first 90 seconds a lot of time by a lot of different speakers. Would you say it's something that you've prepared and practiced meticulously so you know it inside out? Is it, yeah, is it that, that well prepared? Abs- absolutely. And I've, I've just like a stand up comedian, I, I work material. I know it sounds a little bit kind of douchey but it's true and it works yeah. you know you, you've got to see what it all, what resonates with audiences and yes i mean the first 10 professional speaking gigs i did i recorded myself i mm-hmm. i practiced every gesture every movement every pause every word every transition so that it was second i didn't even think about it yeah and then all of the off the cuff stuff comes so much more naturally yeah. Um, then if you're not familiar with your material or your environment or your or your slides or your con, what do you want to say? So mm-hmm. having that first two minutes just second nature. So it's almost reflex makes the rest of it so much easier. It's totally worth that investment. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So so I made the mistake of having this big fear of public speaking that I had. One of the first presentations I did, I decided to write the whole script word for word and learn the whole script word for word. And it ended up being a big mistake because I got one line wrong and it completely threw the whole yes. presentation. So I understand for the first couple of minutes, but definitely don't script the whole thing. Totally agree. And it's really interesting because you you see, especially in the work that I do where I'm going all over the world and I'm doing speeches in very different uh, industries. I get to meet a lot of very interesting people and see mm-hmm. a lot of very interesting speakers. But you'll have somebody who was the sort of the former chairman of big retail brand that we all know and love. And you think, oh, they're going to tell interesting stories. Mm-hmm. And they do exactly what you just described. They either read from a script mm-hmm. that they've written and it sounds like, you know, a, a eulogy at a funeral. Yeah. Uh, or they they make this the same mistake that you just did, which is... Uh, having it completely wrote but then something distracts you or you forget a word and you trip up and the rest of it un- unravels it's, it's very tempting to do that and it can really damage your credibility all this expectation of you as this big leader in terms of you know big retail brand and then you, you stand up and you read like you're at a funeral so it, it does really ruin your credibility so that, that shows the importance of getting this right as well i think it it really does and i think that you being on stage is a is a testament to who you are as an expert in your field or whatever. The fact that that they people want to hear you speak is enough, and I think you you need to be confident in that. You need to be confident in your own expertise and talk casually, conversationally, colloquially, colloquially um, to the audience because you know your stuff. Otherwise, mm. you wouldn't be on stage in the first place. So you got to relax into that a little bit. Yeah, uh, I, I feel perfect. So a lot of our audience are just thinking about speaking maybe one day um so I guess they're at the very start of their beginning what advice would you give to a young Alex that's just starting out in the world of public speaking don't do what we just talked about which is uh script it and try and memorize it I Mm -hmm. think if you have 
the way the trick that I use, and I still use to this day, you know, 15 years later, is I have slides that are for me chapter headings. Yes. Um, they are visual cues for me, not the audience, but mm-hmm. for me, it's time to talk about this subject. It's time, and don't forget to mention this little thing and then move on to this subject. And they're all stored as chapters in my brain. So the content comes out quite naturally. But if I don't have that visual structure in front of me, I'll get lost. And mm-hmm. I have no problem admitting that. So be comfortable with the content and have some way, and it can be it can be note cards, mm-hmm. but with nothing more than one or two words saying, and I'll yeah. talk about this, yeah. and I'll talk about this, and I'll talk about this. And it's fine to do that. There's no harm in that. Or uh, like I do with slides. And the slides for the audience are visual kind of emphasizers mm-hmm. for the points I'm making. Yeah. They are never repeating what I say, because no. that's like, well, who am I supposed to be listening to? Yeah, um, They're just sort of, visual enhancers to the point that I'm making. Sometimes they're kind of making a parenthetical joke or something like that. So I think that chapterization of your content makes it so much easier to memorize uh, than to try and do a whole script like mm-hmm. an actor. Uh, and, and, I th- and then the slides that you develop, know them like the back of your hand, every yeah. transition, every click, every time, every movie, then you're not thrown off when a click goes too far and you're like, oh, uh, too far. Because that goes back to the point you were making earlier about um, it makes, you don't, you don't look unprofessional. You don't look, it just, it can throw off your confidence. Yeah. Yeah. So those, those two things I think are, are really, it will get you 80% of the way there. Perfect. Yeah, just you said a few times now, but practice preparation is really key when yeah. it comes to this game, um, especially if you want to make a good impression. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, great. So we've talked about, those people at the very beginning, I guess, thinking about maybe looking to speak and present. What about the other end of the scale? So somebody who's been speaking for a little while now and thinks, I'd love to turn this into a career where I can actually get paid to do this. What, what advice have you got for them? That's certainly something I didn't plan on doing. I just really enjoyed doing it. I love telling stories. And so that the opportunity to tell stories, to, to talk about the things that we've done at Virgin America and then at the Virgin Group and things that I was working on, things I thought were neat from a customer experience perspective that had happened, and just the ability to share that. And I think every opportunity that comes up to get on stage and hone your craft as a speaker, yeah. you should take. And then I think quite quickly after a couple of years, you will start to get people saying, can you come and speak at this event? What's your fee? Yeah, uh, You need to be able to answer that question, obviously. But also when that happens around the same time, it's, it's great to start approaching the speaker bureaus and say, look, mm-hmm. I've done these events. Here's a potted CV you know, of my experience. And building those relationships. And it may take six, 12 months before they throw a gig at yeah. you, but they yeah. will eventually because they want new, fresh voices on their books that differentiate them from millions of other speaking bureaus out there so culting cultivating those relationships is very important as well yeah i love that that's really useful so i guess um one of the key things that i've heard quite a few times is is having a niche as well when it comes to being a paid speaker because if you're a generalist i guess you talk about everything it's hard to actually get chosen to speak at events you know so so what's your advice around finding a niche or staying within your lane as a speaker I don't think you necessarily need to stay within your lane, but you got to have a, a hook, right? You, yeah. you have, why are you 
different from all the other people. I, I always think of speakers as products on a shelf, right? Like mm. the shelf behind me and you've got, what is going to make you stand out in five to seven words? What's that, that hook? And it may be your, your experience. That's mm-hmm. often why people book me, even though I left Virgin in 2009, they yeah. see that work shiny. Yeah. Um, you, you, and it may be that for, for you as well, which is, which is great. It's a, it's a great foot in the door, but then you, you have to think about how you're going to package yourself. What is that five to seven word pitch that makes you slightly different? Could be a question, could be slightly mm-hmm. provocative, could be a challenge, could be, you know, a, a solution to a question that, that a lot of us are asking in 2022 yeah. and beyond that, that type of thing, but be no more verbose than five to seven words because Lovely. we are very impatient people as as a species yeah yeah love it and and that analogy of the shelf is really important because there are so many speakers out there so if an event's going to pick a speaker off the shelf you need to make make sure that you stand out from the others yeah, yeah absolutely excellent so um and again we're talking about people here who are on the journey to become one day an amazing speaker so are there any particular resources or coaching or support you've had over the years that you'd really recommend to other wanting speakers yeah absolutely i think if you have the opportunity to speak at an event don't just rock up for your for your slot and then leave again stick around for the whole day watch the other speakers when you clench your butt when they've done something wrong analyze it hold that feeling with you and then try and avoid it at all costs and and figure out how how you'd make the same point differently it the the value that you will get from the from the community is you can't synthesize that you can't buy it it won't come from you sitting in your room and re- repeating your same speech over and over again i don't think you'll get as much value from watching people speak on youtube because mm-hmm. you can't see what the audience is reacting to nearly yeah. as well and then tangentially watch stand up comedy I mean, don't always try and make jokes. Don't always try and be funny. One or two, I think is fine. But delivery, I mean, those people are masters of captivating audiences. And you'll you'll see little tricks that become consistent among the best. And I think that is a great way to, to learn very quickly about stage presence, about timing, about confidence about engaging with an audience that Mm -hmm. that type of thing that's that's absolutely something i've done yeah love it and it's great advice because one thing that i did the mistake i made when i started was i bought every single book on public speaking ted talks presenting confidence um two years in i'd read them all but i still hadn't stood up and spoke so i guess being surrounded by speakers watching them uh embedding yourself in that environment yeah great advice and next question from me, and it's quite a topical one because we're just coming out of the back of a, a global pandemic, which wiped out public speaking uh, in terms of in person. How did you transition during that period and, and what did you learn? Well, I w- I'm, I'm very fortunate because I have a YouTube channel, as you, as you said, so I had quite a lot of camera equipment lying around. I also have um, a podcast that one or two people listen to. So I had like the decent microphone and the mixers and all of that and studio lighting and Mm -hmm. all of that. But I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it because I loved talking to the audience. I loved seeing my, my fellow speakers do their thing Mm -hmm. and sitting in a room in, you know, my pajamas and doing the same thing. It just felt soulless and and horrible and i tried basically taking what i would do on stage and copying and pasting it into the camp and it didn't work 
it didn't work at all. So I stopped using slides because it just put a barrier between me yeah. and the audience. Mm -hmm. um, and I, if I did, I used this little device called a stream deck so I could fade in between slides. I could have myself and the slide, or, you know, I could mix like you would an audio awesome. mixer that took a year to figure out mm -hmm. at least. Um, so it, it, it wasn't easy. The content had to change because some of it just, you know, it got, I have, you know, my average speaking uh, slot was 45 minutes. No one wants to do this for 45 minutes. No, you know, getting, getting the key messages down to 15 or 20 minutes was, um, was difficult because you, you, you know, you had to kill many of your darlings uh, along the way. But um, the only blessing in disguise was that I could do three in a day. Yeah. Um, and not have to go, well, I got it. I can't be in Berlin and Tokyo at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to turn one of those down. But now yeah. this, this hybrid way of doing it is, 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 is okay. But it's yeah. nice that the, the in-person stuff is starting to come back. Yeah. And I think some of those um, nuances you mentioned there are what's going to make it difficult for, from a hybrid perspective, you know, people trying to put on a big live event whilst also trying to dial people in from home. Um, it's going to be a very difficult challenge i think to make sure that is relevant for, for every audience member yeah i agree yeah yeah so we'll, we'll watch this space i guess and, and see how it all works out but from from what i can tell conferences are back seminars are back speaking gigs are happening again all over the world so it looks like we're back in business yeah yeah it's very exciting fantastic and last very last question for me in fact is if anybody has resonated with your message or wants to find out more about you or booking you as a speaker where can they connect with you online the uh, best place is, is my website, alexhunter.org.org, not .com. .com yeah. is owned by a Las Vegas pornographer. So <laughs> don't go there. No. Uh, and then, yeah, that's all my speaking stuff is in there, links to my various projects. And I love talking about this stuff fairly obviously, and I would welcome anybody getting in touch. I love it. Thank you so much for that offer. And thanks again for your time today. What I'll do is I'll post some links in the show notes as well. So people can just click on those and, and find you online. Fantastic. So thanks again for sharing your amazing story with us and loads of great value for our audience. And yeah, I really appreciate you coming along today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for including me. 